Well, by now, unless you've been living under that proverbial rock, you've probably heard that social media can negatively impact teens' mental health. Recently, a number of concerned lawmakers have come to the same conclusion, and we're going to unpack that story today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Well, those attorneys general from 42 states filed suit against Facebook and Instagram's parent company, Meta. They're alleging that those social media platforms are intentionally designed to keep young users engaged and coming back, and to which I would say, at least in part, newsflash, I think that's not new information. But yeah, it's definitely not. <laughs> we're glad that they're getting on board, and I think that the observations they're making are, are really interesting, and that's going to lead into a bigger conversation about the connection between social media and the mental health crisis being faced by teens and tweens today. And in our second segment, Emily Chow joins us, we just heard her a minute ago, to tell us about a new streaming platform that's coming from a politically conservative group of content creators. It's called Bent Key, and we'll look at one of the platform's first new shows, which is kind of a Mr. Rogers-like program called A Wonderful Day with Mabel McClay. Well, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review. Your endorsement means a lot to us, and it can help others understand what we're all about here at The Plugged In Show. Well, joining me for our first segment today are Kennedy Unthank, Emily Chow, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hey. Well, it's hard to believe it is a week after Thanksgiving. Where did the year go? And theoretically, that's been enough time to hit the gym a few times to burn off some extra calories, you know, all that turkey. Oh, and let's face it. Yeah, theoretically is the, the key word stuffing, there. right? It's not the turkey, it's the stuffing. Dude, I had two Thanksgivings this year, so I'm oh, really feeling it. So you really need to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Although I probably yeah, shouldn't I say <laughs> that, right? <laughs> I know what you mean, though. No offense is taken. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's called stuffing. You know what you're getting into. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, for me, it's well, not the stuffing. It's it's the pumpkin pie. Oh, guys, the pumpkin pie. It's like an addiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we'll pray that you can get help. <laughs> And actually, you just inadvertently kind of answered my question, which is, which is this. And it has nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I love holiday questions. What is your absolute favoritest holiday food snack or treat? Are you going I with have, pumpkin so, pie? Yes, but it's actually evenly split for me, 50-50. Okay, so you're given two answers. Yes. I love it when you guys do that. I know. Classic. So, yes, exactly. Um, I make the pumpkin pie that is on the can, which is actually like the best one that there is, the old-fashioned okay. version, because then I get to add the individual spices. Um, and we would ask you which can, but that was probably I, some sort of copyright yeah, violation. Yeah, no, so. I was going to say, I don't we'll want to look like it. I'm endorsing any specific Sponsored brand. Sponsored by generic pumpkin pie. <laughs> no, but, um, but the other thing that I make is, uh, my mom used to make this when I was a kid, and it was my favorite thing when I was a kid, and it's sweet potato casserole. But we don't make it with marshmallows. Our topping is... Mm. Is crispy rice and and yes, I'm avoiding a, another name brand right there. Um, crispy and rice. then like brown sugar. I don't know sugar. what you might be talking about. <laughs> and then a certain cereal, <laughs> and then like brown sugar and butter, yeah. and it's crunchy and delicious. And I have converted so many people to that version of sweet potato casserole. Oh. Well, you had me at brown sugar and butter. You know what? Maybe I'll <laughs> I, mean, make, I could just eat. I that. will make. I will make a casserole and I'll bring it here, and everybody can have it, and then we'll have even more converts. <laughs> well, I like that. Kennedy? Yeah, so I was going to say the 4th of July uh, food 
during that season because I really enjoy a good barbecue. But as I was really thinking about it and as, you know, now we're past Thanksgiving, it has really refreshed my brain. Uh-huh. On, and your I stomach. Just, exactly. I, I love uh, what I do every year is I love uh, sliced turkey with mm. mashed potatoes on a roll. That's huh. really good. That little, sounds delicious. Make a little sandwich. Oh, yeah. 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 Jonathan? Well, listeners, you probably remember that um, I'm kind of the Grinch when it comes to Thanksgiving because I don't like Thanksgiving food. I mean, I, I'm not really like, you know, against turkey and mashed potatoes and stuffing. It's okay, but I'm just, I mean, I can name 20 other meals I'd prefer to have rather than that. So I'm always. Okay, go. So, so Oh, go. <laughs> no, Pizza, don't, no, don't. Five no. guys. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, also, right, I mean, restaurant. I believe you. Jersey Mike's. Anyway, but. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. No, uh, no corporate sponsorship. All right, so, all right. There we go. But, but you know, <laughs> it's, uh, but if you want to sponsor me, Jersey Mike's, please go ahead. And um, <laughs> yeah, so Thanksgiving, I just always, you know, I just, yeah, yeah. So I love this question because you're saying which holiday food? I, I don't have to go with what we just had. I, I go with anything. I'm going to say St. <laughs> Patty's Day. And I'm not going to say it because I like corned beef and cabbage. I actually hate corned beef and cabbage, but- my birthday is the day after that. And I <laughs> know that St. Patty's Day is truly Jonathan McKee's birthday eve. And on my birthday, I always get spoiled and I get whatever I want. And for some reason, that's just like, it's a happy, joyous time of year for me because like we always get together. We always end up usually at a deep dish pizza restaurant. Yes, California actually has some, you know. And so for me, that's my favorite. I mean, it sounds very selfish, but I mean, my birthday is the favorite holiday of the year because I get to choose the food. So I'm so excited about it. (laughs) Now, to be fair, he does have a good point because I can't actually think about any holiday that is is like traditionally you get pizza. Yeah, there right? is none. There is none. Right. And and I like Jonathan expanding the idea of holidays to include his birthday. It is. It's a you holiday. <laughs> when I think about the holidays, one, I'll now but... have to start thinking about your you, birthday. You, you don't all celebrate mix. March 18th? What uh, what no. is this cruel world? <laughs> oh, now I will. Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't. Uh, pizza day. So um mine is uh is quite simple. I like ham. Uh, ham. Oh. I used to like ham, and then I developed a pork allergy. Oh. I can't have... So, I mean, I, honestly, that feels like some sort of satirical joke. It's not. It was, this like past year or two... But I have a pork I developed allergy. A por- I can't have bacon. I can't have oh, ham. I can't oh. have pulled pork. Uh, so, you know, you were talking about oh, barbecue food. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I can't, I can't yeah. have that. Yeah. Uh, used to love that stuff, but... Um, it's not we, worth the risk. Well, <laughs> uh, we probably should talk about social media, but I feel yeah. like maybe we can start a food podcast because <laughs> oh, it seems like our our level of su- engagement here is very high. I need very a support high. Group, and, and, Adam, yeah. and Adam, I won't rub it in that I just had honey baked ham for Thanksgiving. Oh, Ugh. another brand. You know, another these first eight minutes are, and 42 seconds have right. been my favorite podcast. Ever. I know. So that's why let's shift gears in a direction that perhaps is slightly less joyous and slightly or a lotly more <laughs> concerning. Uh, a lotly. I'm using you. that today. How do a you lot-ly. feel? A lotly bad. I feel a lotly bad. Uh-huh. Um, we have known for some time and we have talked about on the Plugged In Show some of the issues involved with with screen time and with social media. Um, but it also feels like one of those things that 
it's not going away. Uh, and I thought this would be a great opportunity to do maybe like an official plugged in show deep dive into, okay, what is the connection between mental health concerns and social media? And we've got this new story that that really enables us to talk about that. So recently, 42 state attorneys general, which always sounds like a weird thing to say, yeah, attorneys yeah. general. Anyway, I digress. They have filed suit against Meta and uh, and made some claims. What is going on in this lawsuit? What are these attorneys general and these states concerned about with regard to how social media impacts tweens and teens? Well, it's interesting because most of the headlines are citing two things, addictive and targeting kids. And we can okay. almost talk about both those because, you know, yeah. addictive, we could get into the algorithms and, you know, we've seen, you know, interview after interview from, you know, people that used to work for Facebook or for any big tech. And really their job is let's keep people dialed in as much as possible because the more people are on our side, the more it's ad dollars. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's pretty obvious that's what people want. You know, watch us more, engage with us more, click on us more. So that was the first thing, the addictive part. The second part, targeting kids. And that's also been in the news because, man, I, I remember a decade ago, you know, when, uh, you know, they were thinking that Facebook was thinking of launching, you know, Facebook for kids. And I remember Dr. Gene Twinge and all these health mental health experts writing letters, literally saying, what are you doing, you know, targeting kids when there's so much research out there saying that young people shouldn't be on social media yet because they, they aren't wise enough to engage some of the decisions that are out there. So that brings up you know, the, the mental health issues, also the navigating predators, all that stuff. So those are kind of the two issues at hand. In my opinion, like you have with this company, Meta, and in some of the research that I did, because this was in uh, my most recent Tech Trends blog, um, Meta's like upset. They're like, why are, you, why are you coming after us? Everybody's doing it, you know? And they're just like, you could work with us and we could develop something together. And it's like, okay, oh, just own it. You know what you're doing. We're not dumb. We know what you're doing. Just take responsibility for your actions and whatever laws they come up with, abide by them. Mm -hmm. Like, of course, that's a very simple way of me saying it because I'm not the one making millions of dollars off of it. Right. Kennedy? Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, I, I'll just use an example. I think growing up, you would hear these ideas of, oh, well, your phone's listening in on you so that it can <laughs> uh, it can give you targeted ads and it can uh, keep you on the platform longer. And that was kind of like a pseudo-conspiracy theory rumor that was going around. And now it's kind I of just it. well known. You <laughs> right? Know? Like, no, it's doing that. And there are like provable tests that even you can do with your own phone that'll show that. Oh yeah, and we did that we did that once here. We yeah. we had a conversation about aspen trees. Next thing you know, like it was like five of us in that conversation, all five of us looked at our phones later on that day and it was like Aspen, Colorado. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no well it's funny. I mean that's I think that is one of the many examples. Uh yeah. we, we can talk about the whole YouTube algorithm, how it, it will recommend you videos that it thinks you're gonna like based on what you've previously seen. Um but it's just one of those examples of how maybe as an adult you're like, Oh, well I can just I can just hop off this, you know, I have more responsibilities, I, I have a schedule to keep to and maybe I can I, I have the brain power mm -hmm. to actually hop off this. But when you're, you know, when you're a kid, 
there's not as much of that. And right. so it's a lot easier to just get sucked down this rabbit hole. Well, and I even, as a 53-year-old adult father who helps people think about this stuff, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll have moments where I actually get annoyed with the algorithm for sending me something that it should know that I'm not interested in. Oh, yeah. <sighs> right? Yes. I'm like, come on, guys. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about that. Why would you say? And the, but then you just have to stop and think, oh, wow. We're so habituated to customized and personalized content, no matter what the platform is, mm-hmm. whether it's just my my basic feed on my phone. If I just turn a browser on, I get a list of things that it thinks I'm interested in or whether I'm on YouTube or Instagram, wherever I'm at, all of them have an algorithm that is doing functionally the same task, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. We know you like this. We know, you know, we just got done with Halloween, you know, a couple of weeks ago and, and my kids came home with all this candy and and one of my one of my children, my son, my kind son said, "Hey, I know you like these. How about if you have all of this particular candy oh. bar?" And it was his preemptive. Well, no, it wasn't amazing. It was totally self-serving. It was his preemptive (laughs) attempt to keep all the Reese's peanut butter cups. So (laughs) I'm sorry to sneak another brand in there while nobody was looking. But um, but it's sort of like that. Right. It's you have all this candy and the algorithm knows which candy you like. And Mm -hmm. it's just going to just like a little kid. If you keep giving a little kid candy. They're going to eat that candy till they're sick, which yeah. actually happened to me once. And I realized my mom was right. I'm like, oh, if you do eat enough candy, you get sick, um, which is kind of funny. But it, it kind of leads me into my next question with regard to this conversation. I think that we could make a broad comparison here. Like too much social media makes kids, quote, sick, mm-hmm. unquote. Um, what are some of the correlations that scientists are beginning to identify with regard to why it is social media has these bad outcomes, you know, depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation, especially among tweens and teens? Yeah. So the first one that uh, comes to mind with me is something that like they were even talking about when I was in middle school hmm. was, hey, if you put these kids on apps like Instagram and Facebook and stuff, they're going to see what they're going to see these people out here having great times because no one's posting about their mundane days right you know i had to take the trash out here's my (laughs) exactly here's my reel and so they're like hey i you know (laughs) i climbed a mountain or i went to a party or i you know did something cool or fun um and you know when you see that i think your brain is just partially especially when you're a kid who's trying to fit in it's oh i wasn't invited right i wasn't there or it's even worse if it was your friends who who did it and you weren't there. Yeah. And so I remember going FOMO. up and, and I had FOMO. that. Yeah, yeah. The fear of missing out in case you did not know. Um, you know, I remember growing up and seeing some of those photos and, and feeling sad, you know, because I was like, oh, I wasn't invited or like, oh, I would have enjoyed going to that. Yeah. Uh, or, oh, I'm. I don't have as many of these fun experiences as these other people, it seems. Um, and so I think that was a big one. So you said you were in middle school, so kind of a similar experience, um, but I was college age um, about that time. So just to kind of give people a range of how young to, you know, I mean, it's all range of teenagers. It's Slightly not like it's, older Emily. It's not just, <laughs> you know, 16 year olds. It can be mm-hmm. anywhere from like, I mean, as young as you are able to get on a social media platform yeah. all the way up. Yeah. You know, like, so it's not just like younger kids. It's not just high school kids. It's all kids. It's college age students, you know? Well, and I think even as an adult, 
I mean, I'm on, you know, the dinosaur platforms of, of Facebook and, and even Instagram kind of feels a little fuddy. And these MySpace. Days. Yeah, MySpace still have my, my <laughs> glorious MySpace account. No, I don't. Um, you know, how easy is it for me to get on and look at my peers or people that are relatively in the same stage of life that I'm in? It's like, oh, how could they afford to go to Bora Bora? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Bora Bora. <laughs> Jonathan? Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It is kind of like it, they say, just you know, even a few minutes of, of being on it. Very often, you're kind of feeling like, you know, oh man, how come? How come I'm? Not, you know, you start feeling bad about your own situation because it's. It, they say it was the same equivalent as you know, back decades ago when you know a young girl would flip through Teen Magazine and you know look at all the perfect bodies and look at all everything and oh man, how come I'm not famous? How come I don't have that body? And the same thing's happening now on social media all the time, but it's being fed to us, you know, on this ever streaming role. I, the, the thing I, I see is I think it really comes down to three things. Cause I, you know, I read all this research and, and I constantly see if I were to summarize it in one statement, I would actually steal a statement that the CEO of Instagram used years ago when he was actually trying to um, uh, beta test the idea of not being able to see likes and followers. And he tried it in seven different countries and it didn't go well. But at that time he said, I feel like that we are creating a pressurized environment for young people. That's Hmm. the word he used. And I Mm -hmm. loved that he admitted that as a dad, because I thought that really well describes what research constantly comes about. And it's likes, followers, and comments because mm. every time research comes out about what's harmful what's scary there's either the physical thing of predators that's a separate issue we could talk about that but then there, when it comes to mental health it, it always it ends up being about likes followers and comments and they even say sometimes they don't even use the word social media they'll say watch out how much time young people spend on platforms where they're trying to achieve likes they're trying to gain more followers or they're reading these harmful comments mocking them you know because that's that pressurized environment i gotta have i gotta have more people you know i gotta have more people following me Uh, oh how come i didn't get as many likes as taylor you know uh how come this guy is saying that I'm terrible. Everybody's saying I'm terrible. They don't like my fat role or, you know, whatever. And, and that's where it really seems to create that pressurized environment. That's, those are the categories where we see over and over again causing that mental health struggle. You know, another thing I think that might be a contributing factor to the mental health struggle is just that when you get on social media, those likes and those followers that you're talking about, it adds a level of validation to your mm. account. So it's like if mm. you're looking at this uh, young influencer who has, you know, over a million followers, every video gets like instantly a million likes. It's you look at that person, and you're like, OK, this person must know what they're talking about if so many people like them. Mm. And then you start listening to them. And so now you're not only just being, you know, influenced by everything that Jonathan just brought up, but you're also being influenced by like, oh, this what this person is saying must be true. So if they're talking, if they are talking about mental health or if they're talking about world issues or if they're, you know, insert topic, you're going to start believing yeah. what that person what, is thinking. What and does that can, Cardi B say about this? I need to know. <laughs> well, I mean, like, but you have these deeply 
troubled people who mm. are giving life advice. And right. then you have these teenagers who are just soaking it up like a sponge and that and then they're and then you ring it back out and that's what they're putting out on their own social media channels. And see, I think they both uh, Emily and Jonathan both bring up a, a good point, which is why I'm going to touch on both. Great. Um Jonathan mentioned uh likes and I think one of the um big just really sad things to me is that you see uh, a huge difference in likes among like photos especially uh, on like Instagram for instance mm-hmm. you have like you know you post something of like oh I just I ran a marathon and you'll get some likes but then like if I, I've seen it so many times and I think it's really sad is that you'll see like some woman post a photo of herself in like a s- swimsuit and she'll get like thousands of likes more than she usually gets on the rest of her yeah. posts and I think that really negatively influences not only body image, but also just like, oh, what do I need to post in order to get that validation kind right. of dopamine yeah. hit that I used to get from I'm, the rest of these? I'm just going to say that that is not because people are like, oh, she's so beautiful. It's because people are creeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the second thing uh, that Emily had mentioned, uh, she had alluded to, it, it was the uh, uh, parasocial relationships. Mm. Is that you? You have this relationship. You you build a relationship with uh, a popular person online mm-hmm. uh, to such a point where you're maybe you're following them on YouTube or um, or Facebook or anything. But they post a lot, and you start to develop kind of like a friendship with them. But it's a one sided friendship. Right. It's where- a fantasy. Exactly. Because you don't actually have a relationship with them. Uh, And I think Twitch is a really good example of this because Mm. you can send a message to the person who is streaming on Twitch and they might even read it if you're so lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you get this kind of sense of like, oh, they know who I am. And even on YouTube and stuff, when they probably won't ever know who you are, you still develop this relationship with them. And that's a huge thing for younger people in particular because they'll sit there and they'll think, oh, this is kind of like my idol and I I really like Mm -hmm. this guy. And then on the other side, obviously the creator has no idea who this person is. Well, and I think the parasocial relationship conversation is, it's a super interesting one because when you watch somebody's content, you have a sense that you know who they are, you know what their likes are, you know what their preferences are, you know Mm -hmm. how they tend to do things. And I watch probably a dozen or so different YouTube content creators on a regular basis. You know, I subscribe to their channels Mm -hmm. and I know their little intros. I know their taglines. I know how they finish their videos. And there's, there's something about that knowledge that makes you feel like you have a real relationship with them. And I reached out to one of them one time in a comment, um, actually on his Instagram page, I had a question and I didn't get a response. Yep. And I felt bad. You felt slighted. I felt slighted, yeah. even yeah. though I will also say, I'm sure there are people who've reached out to us on our plugged in socials that I haven't responded to, and they've probably felt slighted by me. And so it it makes relationships really weird. Uh, something that I do want to bring up as some, somewhat of a, like a, a pseudo, like, hey, maybe this helps you feel a little bit better. Um in a sort of ironic sort of way, uh, okay. by the way, um, ninety nine to literally a hundred percent of the time, uh, I've heard countless stories from like uh, popular YouTube creators who have done like a, a let me explain my life or like a, or whatever creator makes that kind of gives you a little insight into their lives. 
they all say, no, this isn't easy. Hmm. I, there's always, you always have a desire for more. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You always want more. So even if you get that really popular following that you're like, oh, I want that validation. So I'm going to become a really famous YouTuber. Right. Well, all these YouTubers are saying, no, even if you become a really famous YouTuber, you still want more. Right. You it's know? like, who and, was it? JP Morgan said, you know, somebody asked him how, or Rockefeller was one of those really rich guys from the 19th or early 20th century. <laughs> how much is enough? Just $1 more. It's yeah. the same idea, right? And so with that in mind, I, I say that as a, like I said, a pseudo pick me up ironically. Okay. Because I think when you start to understand that the people who do seemingly have everything you want are still saying, no, we want more then maybe that should be a sign to you that, hey, maybe I shouldn't be focusing my sights on this. Hmm. You know what? And this is a good segue to the scriptures because, you know, think about this. We're, we're constantly talking about this this influx of ignorance mm-hmm. out there, you know, to, teaching us, you know, that, hey, this is where value is, a good looking body, or if you're a professional singer, this or that. And, and sometimes uh, I think that's where we really need to spend some time in the Psalms. We need to spend some time reading that love story between us and the Lord, I mean, because I, man, I, I go to bed every night. You are enough. You are enough. And I was never a popular social media influencer, but mm-hmm. as an author, I could tell you something. Yeah. There is pressure out there. Um, every publisher is even like, hey, how many followers do you have on social media? How much are you doing this? Whatever. Mm-hmm. And had a couple books do gangbusters and then you write another book that you think is going to go gangbusters and it goes does nothing (laughs) and there's like this enormous pressure out there and i got to a point a few years ago and i've shared this and our listeners know this uh um where you know in 2020 uh we made some changes in our house and um i got off social media and i got and i said enough of the pressure and I tell you, there's nothing better than just soaking in the Psalms instead of mm. that Instagram scroll and, and just being and literally praying, God, you are enough. And, and the more we soak in um, who he is and how much he loves us and what he's done for us and his story, it gives us incredible validation mm-hmm. and understanding and identity of who we are and that there's this creator up there who loves us so much. And it's just so important that we can um, model that with our kids Mm. and give them just maybe a taste of it. Psalm 34, taste and see that the Lord is good. And and, and as we do this, our kids will get a taste of who he is because there's going to be times where they're going to be feeling alone in their rooms and everybody's down on them. And if they know that the Lord is there for them and loves them incredibly and that we as our family are there for them, you know, that, that worship, that fellowship, that's, that's going to be there for them when social media isn't. So uh, in times where the lies are letting them down, let's make sure they know the truth. Well, and and I want to just quote a Psalm in particular, because I think it, it gets at one of the things we talked about earlier. Um, in Psalm 16, David says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and eternal pleasures at your right hand. And the part of that Psalm that, that I latch onto is God's promise to fill us, right? Because in all of these things, whether we're talking about tweens or teens or us as adults, we were made to be filled by our relationship with God. God has promised us that, that he wants to fill us. And, and I know that that can look like a lot of different things. I've wrestled with depression and anxiety myself and times where I long to be filled. And 
that wasn't necessarily, it didn't feel like it was happening, but I still cling to that promise that, that God has said, I will fill you because when we're turning to social media, especially if we're looking for those likes, we're looking for validation, Mm. we're trying to find a sense of significance in life. As Kennedy was saying, no matter how much success you have online as a, you know, a social media influencer, it's never enough. And Mm -hmm. so what I hear you saying, Jonathan is, you know, let's take a step back as parents, as families and model an engagement with God's character and with God's scriptures in a way that really is transformative. Yeah. And that's, I I think an analogy would actually be the tower of Babel is that, uh, you know, you're, you're going to keep building this tower up higher and higher and you're like, Oh, we're almost to heaven. We're almost to heaven. Mm -hmm. And then it's just going to collapse. Um, you know, it talks about in Ecclesiastes is the writer is just saying, Hey, nothing in this world is going to satisfy you hmm. apart from God. Yeah. He, I mean, he, he, he like was like 11 chapters of just straight, meaningless. Just, this is meaningless. This doesn't work. This, is meaningless. this doesn't work. Yeah. You might, you, <laughs> well, and, you might and, fill and yourself the, and, on money and knowledge and whatever in power. And in the end, you're still going to die. And yeah, the, in the last chapter is like, therefore you should cling to the one thing that's eternal, hmm. which is God. Um, well, and, and the ending of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, House on the Rock. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we, you can build this big, fancy, wonderful house on the sand. <laughs> and yep. when the waves come and when the wind blows, you know, uh, it's going to perish. But oh, yeah. the house, it doesn't even have to be a fancy house. The house on the rock is going to stand firm. When you actually compare that to with probably the most uh, famous Psalm, Psalm 23, uh, it says that the Lord makes me lie down in mm. green pastures. When, and when, when you're in relationship with the Lord, when he is your shepherd, as Jesus says, and as the Psalm says, then he will make you lie down and give you rest for his great name. Mm. Well, I love that. And I think that there's a lot that we can take away as parents. Um, I, I think we've still got more we could talk about with regard to why and how social media is potentially damaging to our kids. But I think if you see your kids withdrawing, if you notice that they seem isolated, that they seem glum, that they seem withdrawn, those are warning signals to pay attention to what might be happening mm-hmm. on their screens uh, and your boundaries. We've talked a lot about boundaries of you know, where they're engaged, how much they're engaged, and who and what they're connecting with online. Those are all still really important questions. But uh, as Jonathan and Kennedy and I were talking about, if they see you reading your Bible instead of on your phone, it's communicating something to them. And it may not seem like they notice or care, but we're modeling that we find that sense of significance and identity in our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I hope, you know, as we wrestle with this in our own families, because look, I have three teenagers. This is hard stuff. There's not a silver bullet here, but we need to keep coming back to these sort of core foundational principles of what are we looking to fill ourselves with? How are we as a family really seeking to connect with God? And I think that when we're asking those questions, it gives us a framework 
to then evaluate, okay, what are my habits with regard to social media and screens and, and where do we potentially need to make changes? And, and let me also just say that we have an excellent resource available that can help you in this area. And that is Jonathan McKee's book, Parenting Generation Screen. And as a friend of the Plugged In Show, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Jonathan's excellent book, Parenting Generation Screen. And you'll find information on how to do that in the episode notes for today's show. Well, in our second segment today, Emily Chow is here to tell us about a new streaming service called Bent Key and one of the new shows on it. So, Emily, what is the story with Bent Key and what do we need to know? And then we'll talk about this specific show. Well, Bent Key was created by Daily Wire, which uh, some people have probably heard that name. It's a news source. Uh, it's kind of unapologetically uh, political. It's owned by Ben Shapiro and, conservative, and right? other conservative uh, speakers. And um, But Bent Key is unapologetically not political, weirdly. They okay. wanted to create a kid's platform. And that's the other thing. It's a kid-friendly, like kid-targeted platform that is ad-free. Okay. And they... They basically wanted to create something where there's no agenda. There's no social agenda, no political agenda. It's just, you know, Mr. Rogers-esque type shows that, you know, kids learned that kindness is important. They so like about, kids TV used to be. Yeah. I mean, like really and truly. And, you know, they have a couple of uh, cartoons and stuff. They're tr- kind of trying to bring back the Saturday morning cartoon format by releasing episodes on Saturday morning. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I like that. Um, but yeah, their whole thing is just we're tired of kids shows that have agendas. This is a platform where there's no ads or agendas. Okay. And we've reviewed probably their flagship show. Tell us about that. So the show you're talking about is A Wonderful Day with Mabel McClay, and that is the one, that is the Mr. Rogers show, okay. <laughs> essentially. Um, it even sounds a little bit like Mr. Rogers. It really is. It's it's delightful, if I'm being honest. Uh, you know, Mabel McClay, she comes in and she's got this like nice, soothing voice, and all of the characters on there, some of them are a little silly. She does interviews with like her friends from around the neighborhood, and her... I mean, she really is just a nice person and she encourages people or she encourages her friends and the people watching her to be kind, to be curious, to have perseverance. Uh, It's just a very cute little wholesome show. Okay. Well, unlike most of the stuff that we talk about in the Plugged In show and even on Plugged In, it doesn't seem like there's much downside here that parents need to be wary of. Is that true? I would say yes for now. Sure. Um, you know, like I said, it's owned by Daily Wire. So, you know, you might need to just like keep an eye on it in case they do decide to become more political. But as of right now, they're sticking pretty true to their word that it's there's no agendas happening. They just want a nice, clean, kid-friendly network. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that every show on there is going to be, you know, gold in terms of like, wow, this is this is so funny or anything yeah. like that, you know. Uh, that just all comes down to personal taste. But, I mean, if you're just looking for something that is, in general, very family-friendly... Yeah, it's it's pretty it's a good alternative. It it's a pretty like. good alternative. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to learn more about that, Emily has written a blog at pluggedin.com and we have also got a review of a wonderful day with Mabel McClay and we'll put links to that content in the episode notes for today's show. Thanks, Emily. Well, now it's time for a segment we like to call Name That Movie and This 
is the holiday-themed edition. So, if you're not familiar with this little part of our show, what we try to do is offer a humorous yet slightly cryptic logline describing a movie and the rest of us have to guess what it is. And, and so, uh, do I have any, any volunteers to go first? Kennedy, I see that hand. Yes, that was my hand indeed. <laughs> All right. "'Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. But soon that wasn't true. Loud noise came like rain. A young boy awoke and boarded a train. That would be the uh, something express. Polar. Oh my gosh, there thank you. you. Yep. <laughs> my sister express. would kill that me. Tom That's Hanks her favorite movie. movie. Yeah, that movie with Tom Hanks and One Tom of the... Hanks and... Tom Tom Hanks. One of the ben. first creepy motion capture movies, right? I never thought that movie was creepy. I know a lot of people really did, I but like I didn't. Express. So we love the Polar Express, but I find the animation slightly creepy. I never had an issue with it, but I was also a child when I saw it, so maybe that's why. Right. All right. Jonathan, I choose you. All right. Here we go. A young lad faces his fears, befriending the man he thought a killer and helping this stranger reconcile relationships in his own broken life. Oh, is that Home, Home Alone? Alone? Yes. I, I tried to go so obscure, and you guys still got it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, the, the salt shovel dude, right? Right. Yeah, the old the old neighbor. The old, you described the old that B plot, Jonathan. Good job. All right. Proud of y'all. Well, I guess I will go ahead and go. A late-night icon goes on a quest to find the world's best coffee and his dad. Elf. Elf, yes, of course, Will Ferrell. You know, Elf is sort of to Christmas what Star Wars is to everything else for me, so. Okay. <laughs> you know, when you said late night icon, I got so hung up on that because I was thinking it was like I late know. night I was in like, the actual Conan, movie. Jimmy, yeah, I was trying well, to you were. I, I was going to say Saturday Night Live icon, but I, that would have been yeah, even more yeah, a dead giveaway than what I actually did. Well, yeah, it was no, the that coffee thing Good for job. me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> my world revolves around coffee. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I love my I love my coffee. All right, um, a single father finds himself in a legal battle after accidentally knocking somebody off his roof. That's that's the the, the, the oh that's the, the gosh uh, Tim <laughs> Allen what yes. uh, the Santa Claus yes. yes the Santa Claus yeah good job. <laughs> I actually didn't know what it was until you said Tim Allen. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh, Tim Allen, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. holiday movies. I'll take holiday movies for 500 Alex. Uh, you put on the suit, you're the big guy. There you go. Well, <laughs> that brings us to the close of another uh, rollicking uh, and rousing segment of Name That Movie. And I'm sure we will play it again at some point in the future. And, and we want to say thanks to you who are listening for taking time to join us this week. What did you think of our conversations today? Is there anything that you would like to talk about further? You can let us know at thepluggedinshow.com and uh, you'll not only find past episodes of the show, you can find a tab where you can leave us a voicemail that we might just use on a future show or just shoot us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And as I mentioned earlier, you can always leave a review wherever you get your podcast. For that matter, Facebook and Instagram are great places to reach out to us as well. And before I bring us to a close today, we also have another brand new way that you can connect with Plugged In 
each week that I'm excited to tell you about. If you've ever thought, hmm, I wonder what's new in theaters this week that might be a good fit for my family, well, listen up. If you text the word movie, that's the word movie, to 32728, each Friday you'll get a text from us telling you what the main review at Plugged In is focusing on that week. It's easy and convenient. It'll help you make good plans for the weekend if you're thinking about watching a movie, and you'll find more information about that in the episode notes for today's show. Well, thanks again for spending some time with us at the Plugged In Show this week. We know you have lots of ways that you could spend your time, and we are honored that you chose to spend some of it with us, and we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. As a parent, it's easy to find myself sitting backseat to my kids in the backseat. It's tough to be a step ahead. In full honesty, I'm pretty hard on myself when that happens. But I've found Practice Makes Parent, a podcast from Focus on the Family, hosted by Dr. Danny Huerta and Rebecca St. James. It helps me be more intentional and not feel alone when things get tough. Everything they share is practical and well-practiced, and I can use it right away. Listen to Practice Makes Parent wherever you get your podcasts.